Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Derek. I'm one of the church leaders here at Ebenezer Church, or Ebby, as we like to call ourselves. And it's a real privilege for me to be able to talk to you this morning. Once again, thank you for being with us. Now, I know that it's probably a little bit too early to mention Christmas. I mean, it's only three months away, and some will feel that now is also a little bit too early to be considering watching Christmas films. But I want to mention one, and that is the film Miracle on 34th Street. On one hand, it's a sentimental, feel-good Christmas movie, but on the other hand, it does handle the question, what do you believe? And it ends up painting a picture of hope and joy when people together just declare, I believe. And in fact, in the film, a whole load of people express that very thing, I believe, in many, many different ways. Now, as a Christian and with all my heart, I believe in Jesus. That is the Jesus of the Bible. Now this means I believe Jesus is God the Son. It means I believe in the miraculous things that Jesus did. It means I believe he died on the cross and that he did rise again from death and is alive today. And it means I do believe in eternal life that Jesus himself offers to us. What was it that Jesus actually said himself? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, or trust in God, trust also in me. Today we're going to start a new series of teaching and learning together. It's going to be our Sunday mornings based on the book of Romans, which is one of the books contained within the Bible. And it's going to be addressing the question, what do we believe? So we're going to start at the beginning as far as Romans is concerned. I'm starting at chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, 
whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And that's the introduction to the book of Romans. I love the personal touch and the feel to that, his desire to come to Rome, to be with those who lived in Rome and, and having been prevented from doing so now feels I'm going to be able to come. And this is just a letter that Paul is writing to the Christians who are gathered in Rome. Now, as I think of what Paul has written in this letter, <laughs> I guess what I want to say is, I think in the main, noting that there are probable exceptions, of course, most people live their life according to a worldview. And their worldview will provide a whole set of values with it. And it's upon those values that people end up living their life. Those values become a framework around which they live. And from that comes behaviours and motives, habits, desires, attitudes and choices in life. I mean, consider for a moment this stance. There is no God. I only have one life to live in the here and now. I just want to enjoy myself. Now, what kind of life does someone live when that is their worldview? It's possible that someone like that might lead quite a selfish life, a very inward looking life. A life where I believe the world should revolve around me and my wants. I get what I want. I don't care much how I get what I want. And what's the point of generosity towards others unless I gain a lot from it myself? But what about a different stance, one that might focus much more on living in community? A belief that states, whilst there is no God, we at least have each other. So we've all got to contribute towards society. And we've got to use our talents and our resources to benefit the whole community, but probably because I myself benefit from the community. I might be willing to give to charity because one day I might need charity myself. So there are many worldviews, there are many views, opinions that people hold. 
And those views and opinions and beliefs might align to a particular worldview that we might adopt, either knowingly or unknowingly. And the beliefs that come with the worldview we choose to adopt very often motivate us strongly. And I think that's why there are people who would not call themselves Christians, who don't hold a Christian worldview, and yet they are passionate about good things. And so people are very active around climate change, around racial justice, caring for the vulnerable, the future for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, how we look, what we possess, how wealthy we want to be, where we live, how famous am I going to be? what we eat, what we don't eat. So much of that comes from a core belief within us, a worldview that we hold. But of course, I'm here to say there is a Christian worldview. And there are elements to this Christian worldview that actually answer the very question we're asking today and through the series over the next few weeks, what do we believe? And I think that many would say that the Christian worldview is, or at least is based on, a genuine heartfelt belief that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the very start of this book, Romans, the letter that Paul is writing, Paul himself sets a foundation. It's the bottom line, it's the basis, it's the core belief on which the rest of his teaching is focused. Paul introduces himself, but in a way so as to focus on the one he is serving, Jesus. Look at the very first lines he writes. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now my own paraphrase of that introduction would be something like this. Hi everyone, it's me, Paul, writing here. But I only do so as a servant of Jesus Christ. Guys, this is going to be all about Jesus, not about me. But then Paul enlarges his thinking. And again, my own very loose paraphrase of Paul's words will be along these lines. My mission, my purpose, my goal is to tell others the good news about Jesus. Way back in the Old Testament scriptures, Jesus was promised to us. Then Jesus came to us. Remember, he was born in Bethlehem, the city of David, because humanly speaking, he was from the family line of King David. And now Jesus has been proven through God's spirit and power to be God the Son. And having said all this about Jesus, Paul makes this wonderful declaration of faith. Jesus Christ, our Lord. But maybe if I had to describe the Christian worldview using just four words, I might use Paul's description, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as I say that, to be honest, a whole raft of verses from the Bible come to mind. Um, and again, Romans is helpful here. Romans chapter 10, later on, I know everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
or Romans 10 again, this is verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, Jesus is absolutely front and centre in the Christian worldview. I guess this is why I love our overall church vision, which simply states continually reproducing the life of Jesus. World history is littered with evidence of the wonderful change that Jesus makes in individual lives that subsequently translate into good changes in communities, nations, even the whole world. William Wilberforce, a politician, was instrumental in getting the slave trade abolished in this country. Now he was motivated by his faith in Jesus. In the 1800s, orphan children were not cared for by society. George Muller set up orphanages in our very own city, Upper Ashley Down, and cared for thousands of orphans. George Muller was motivated, driven by his faith in Jesus Christ. So having a faith in Jesus, having a truly Christian worldview, is not just about eternal life when we die, it's about transforming lives and transforming the world around us today, right now. And I believe that when we say, I believe in Jesus, that belief has to include everything that Jesus is. Everything that he's about. Now Jesus declares, for example, he declares to us, the one true God. So as I believe in Jesus, so I believe in the one true creator God. And Jesus himself said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen Father God. Then Jesus shows to us that God is a God of love and of relationship. So to be honest, my life should be full of love towards my family, my friends, my neighbours, even towards the stranger. And Jesus said to those who followed him, look, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. But my command to you is this, love each other just as I have loved you. So let's get this. Love is the Jesus way. But Jesus also demonstrates his love to those who ignored him, who rejected him, even to those who hurt him. And what better example can I choose than to quote his own words when he was actually tortured and executed upon a cross? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. I ask myself the question, do I forgive those who hurt me? So let's get this secondly, forgiveness is the Jesus way. And then Jesus lives a whole life that is sacrificial 
for the benefit of others all the time and we should do the same if we believe in him. Sacrifice is the Jesus way. And when I say I believe in Jesus, these are the things that should mark my life out. I'm just not sure that we can truly say we believe in Jesus unless that faith changes our lives. It changes our attitudes, our motives, our behaviours. It influences the choices we make in life. True faith in Jesus leads to Jesus-like living. I sometimes feel that's an obvious thing to say, but it's a hard thing to really grasp and live by. And if it doesn't lead to a Jesus-like life, then it feels as though I'm saying one thing, but doing the other. And we know what that is. It's hypocrisy. I lack honesty and integrity. I have to ask myself, how can I say I believe in Jesus if my life isn't changed and transformed to look like Jesus? The two kind of don't really hold together. And I'm bringing a real challenge to my life and to yours today on this very point. Because it is problematic, isn't it? I might say I believe in Jesus, but if that faith is not real in my life, if my motives and behaviours are not changed to look Jesus-like, then I might actually really be adopting a different worldview, not a Christian worldview, not a Christ-based worldview, not a biblically-based worldview, a, another worldview. And maybe it's much more one of consumerism, one that is of ease and comfort, one of wealth and fame. Even Jesus himself said these really challenging words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. I mean, have we got this? Have I got this? Faith is not a matter of words. It is a matter of change, transformation. It is a matter of action. It's a matter of what I do because of a changed heart. And this is exactly what James wrote when he wrote one of the books we have within the Bible. And he said, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And again, I kind of feel, how can I say I believe in Jesus, but my life doesn't look like Jesus at all? And I'm, I've got to look at myself and I've got to look at what do I really believe? Now, of course, there is much more to say about what we believe when we say I believe in Jesus. But of course, that's what this whole series is about. The whole series is called What Do You Believe? And the series will unpack much more detail. So I'm asking you, would you journey with us over these next few Sundays as we look at Romans and, and, and as we address this question, as Christians, what do we believe? Now, I've only really read the opening verses of the book of Romans. 
And already within that introduction, just that first section, there already seems to be a climax, a, a high point, a conclusion. Because even though there's a longer way to go for the book of Romans, and you'll see that for yourself, um, Paul kind of comes to a crescendo already when he says at the end of the section that we read, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I mean, what a thing. I mean, you kind of think, oh, that should be at the very end of the book. That's the, that's the summary. That's the conclusion. That's the crescendo. But Paul's got it right at the beginning and then unfolds everything else that is to come. And no wonder Paul himself exclaims, I am so eager to preach the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Okay, I guess what I wanted from this talk was to genuinely challenge myself and you all as to what do we really, really believe. Not say, believe. Now, if you don't know Jesus yet, and you might be very honest on that point, I'm not a Christian, I don't hold a Christian worldview, I don't know Jesus, I really want to encourage you to seek and find the truth. Seek after God, find Jesus. And we can help you, to be honest, if you wanted to join an Alpha course, for example, now that course really seeks to answer the question, who is Jesus? And if Jesus is central to the Christian faith, the Christian worldview, then you've got to look at that question at least. Then an Alpha course will help you find who Jesus really is, to find out much more about him than I could say in this morning talk. And if you'd like to do an Alpha course, if you touch on, on our website, you can register interest in doing an Alpha course and we'll come back to you as regards possibilities. But if you do say, I do believe in Jesus, I really encourage you to test that belief. True faith, genuine belief will change our attitudes and our motives and everything else. And, and if they're not changed, then I'm just saying keep going on your journey to Jesus. Because I think we have this verse in the Bible as a promise. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. So that's the purpose of my talk was to challenge my heart, but yours as well. What do I really really believe and if I say I believe in Jesus is that true is it in the heart or is it just words and how does it change my life and impact those around me and this is really what we want to get to it's not just something of the mind what do I believe it's what I do as a result of that faith in Jesus Oh, it's been wonderful to be able to share just these few thoughts and these lovely verses from the book of Romans with you. But let's all challenge ourselves, test ourselves, test our faith, test what we believe and keep going, keep trusting, keep believing in Jesus. It's not a sudden change. It happens over time and we fall along the way as well, but we pick ourselves up and keep going. All of those things are true of all of us, but I think we should be encouraging each other, building each other's faith in one another.
And that's my encouragement, even at a distance, even sometimes virtually on the computer screen, when we can't be together, but when we can be together, to just build ourselves up and one another up in the faith that we say we have in Jesus himself. It's been wonderful to be able to speak to you this morning. Um, that's the end of my talk. And uh, I'm going to hand over now so that we might finish our service and our time together with a song of worship. God bless you. Hope to see you again soon.